As we prepare to hear God's word read and proclaimed, let us pray for illumination. Holy One, your word is a lamp unto our feet. Give us grace to receive your truth in faith and strength to follow you on the good path you set before us. In Christ, amen. Our scripture reading comes this morning from the Gospel of John. The next day, after Jesus had decided to leave for Galilee, he met Philip and said, follow me. Philip came from Bethsaida, the same town as Andrew and Peter. Philip sought out Nathanael and said to him, we found the one that Moses spoke of in the law, the one about whom the prophets wrote, Jesus of Nazareth, son of Mary and Joseph. From Nazareth, said Nathanael, can anything good come from Nazareth? Come and see, said Philip. When Jesus saw Nathanael coming toward him, he remarked, this one is a real Israelite, there is no guile in him. How do you know me? Nathanael asked him. Jesus answered, before Philip even went to call you, while you were sitting under the fig tree, I saw you. Rabbi, said Nathanael, you're God's own, you're the ruler of Israel. Jesus said, do you believe just because I told you I saw you under the fig tree? You'll see much greater things than that. Jesus went on to tell them, the truth of the matter is, you will see heaven opened and the angels of God ascending and descending upon the chosen one. Holy wisdom, holy word. Thanks be to God. Let us pray. God, may the words of my mouth and the meditations in each of our hearts be acceptable to you, O God, our strength and our redeemer. Amen. Well, today is the second sermon in our current series entitled Becoming Jesus. And in this series, we're looking at gospel stories about Jesus' early life and early ministry. Last week, Adam led us in exploring a passage from Mark's gospel about John the Baptist, who was the one sent from God to prepare the way for God's anointed, this long-awaited Messiah of Israel who would bring liberation from their oppression. John would come to know and to declare that Jesus of Nazareth was this one sent from God. To ready the way for Jesus, John was in the wilderness, baptizing and preaching repentance for the forgiveness of sin. Repentance meaning to be open to a change of mind. John was urging people to be ready to receive something brand new, something transformational. Jesus himself came to be baptized by John in the Jordan. And as he came up out of those baptismal waters, the scriptures tell us that the Spirit of God descended upon Jesus like a dove, and a voice from heaven declared, You are my Son, whom I dearly love, and you I find happiness. I imagine that this experience was pivotal for Jesus in his becoming in his understanding of who God is, his relationship with God, and in becoming the one God created him to be. I imagine those words from God whom he intimately called Abba, meaning Daddy, continue to echo inside of him, 
encouraging him on his faith journey as he set out to fulfill his call. In today's passage, Jesus has begun his public ministry and he's on his way to Galilee. And on the way, he finds Philip, who would become one of his first disciples. Philip, believing that Jesus is the promised one that God spoke of through the prophets of old, immediately goes and finds his good friend Nathanael and tells him this good news. As we heard in the scripture that Whitney read, Nathanael is skeptical. His response betrays his prejudice against Nazareth. Can anything good come from there, he asks. We're not given any insight into his prejudice, but we can imagine. Nazareth is a small rural town, far from the centers of power, far from the big city of Jerusalem, where God's temple was, the center of Jewish life and religious scholarship. How could God's Messiah, the hope of the Jews for liberation from Roman occupation, possibly come from such a backwater place of little influence? Well, Philip simply says to him, come and see. And Nathaniel, not allowing his doubt to overtake curiosity, does come and see. The scriptures give us very little detail about this encounter with Jesus, but it's clear it was one that turned Nathaniel's life upside down in a transformational way. To go deeper into the story, I invite you to join me in entering into the imagination of the creators of the film series entitled The Chosen. This is a drama series about the life of Jesus and his disciples. The writers expand the story of this very human Nathaniel in ways that we may relate to as fellow humans. In the scene where Philip brings Nathaniel to Jesus, Jesus greets Nathanael with a warm smile and says the words, Ah, one of the great things about you is that you are a true Israelite in whom there is no deceit. And Nathanael is dumbfounded. How do you know me? Nathanael says. In Jesus' words, Nathanael recognizes himself. For he is a man that does not mince words. Nathaniel speaks truth to power, come what may, as you see if you watch the film. Well, in the imagination of the chosen writers, Nathaniel is a Jewish architect who worked his way out of poverty, secured an education in architecture, and landed a lucrative job in Caesarea on a Roman construction project. It was almost unheard of that the Romans, the occupiers, would hire a Jew, the occupied, for this esteemed job. Things were not going well on the job site. Other workers were not following the plan that Nathaniel had laid out to ensure success. And as Nathaniel went toe to toe with the Roman foreman about this, they are interrupted by a loud crash. They run outside to discover the construction had crumbled to the ground. Huge Roman columns crumbled into a pile of rubble. The foreman blames Nathaniel for the disaster and fires him on the spot. In despair, Nathaniel heads out to the wilderness. 
where he sits down under a solitary, half-dead fig tree. He weeps. He cries out to God for help. And in his hands, he has a scroll. And as he cries, he unrolls the scroll and looks down upon drawings for a Jewish synagogue that he had created. He cries at his dream of one day constructing synagogues in the region all for the love and glory of his God had come to an end. He has no more income. He is doubtful anyone would hire him in the wake of that disaster. And he cries the Hebrew Psalms for help. Hear my prayer, O God. Let my cry come to you. Do not hide your face to me from me in my distress. Answer me. And he pauses and listens and hears nothing. And so he yells. He yells up to God, Do you see me, God? In deep despair, he lights his synagogue architectural drawings on fire and watches them turn to ash. A short time later, back in his house, sleeping his despair away, Philip knocks on his door and discovers the plight of his friend. He tells Nathaniel all about Jesus and says, come and see. So let's return now to the encounter with Jesus and Nathaniel. Nathaniel is incredulous at Jesus seemingly to know him. Nathaniel says, when did you see me? Jesus says, when you were at your lowest moment, and you were alone, I did not turn my face from you. I saw you under that fig tree. And with those words, Nathaniel's soul is awakened, and he saw before him the answer to his prayers that he had cried to God while under that fig tree. Do not turn your face from me, O God. Do you see me? And yes, Nathaniel knows now that God did see him and that he was being seen in that moment by the beloved Son of God, this man Jesus. And it changed everything. And in an acclamation of faith, Nathaniel utters in awe and wonder, Rabbi, you are the Son of God. He experienced something new and powerful that day, the presence of God up close. But I wonder what was going on for Jesus in his own becoming. I wonder if he too was experiencing something more about God, more about his call and purpose, his journey. Grounded in the truth that he received at his baptism, that he's God's beloved, delighted in God, by God as God's own son, was Jesus also experiencing the power of love played out here? He reveals in this scene that the power of God residing in him as God's anointed is not a power meant to topple oppressive regimes with violent overthrows or to build up armies or to sever communities with rhetoric that divides people into friends of God and enemies of God. Quite the contrary, the power of God in him is the only one that can heal, transform, 
and liberate from any oppression in a lasting way. It's the power of love. As Jesus lives out love's power, he helps Nathaniel and all of us who are hearing this story again on our own journey of becoming. Becoming aware of our status as beloved children of God and coming to believe a bit more that Jesus will always point us to God, our creator. Nathaniel had come to believe. It's important that we lift up what the Gospel of John means with that word, believe. John does not mean believing in some list of rights and wrongs or some right way to believe about God, some doctrine or dogma. Belief in John is about entering into a relationship. It's a verb, it's an action, taking our bodies into a new stance, a new way of being with God. Oscar Romero, the, the late and great Jesuit saint, says, Jesus is God's love walking on the earth. And no more than in John do we see this. The gospel begins with those words, the word of God became flesh and dwelt among us and dwells with us still. John is all about making sure we understand that God is not remote or out of touch or unseeing, but God is right here close by in Jesus. As Eugene Peterson puts it, God moved into the neighborhood when Jesus was born. And the whole purpose of God for us in this life is friendship. Friendship with God, with each other, with creation, and to live in supportive, harmonious community together. Believing is our response to this mission and the call on our lives by Christ to come and see. Nathaniel was seen and then he knew he was known by God. And this sets him free in a new way. And Jesus promises he will see even greater things than this. In the very next chapter, it's as if Jesus says, come and see in the town of Cana where Nathanael is from. Jesus performs his first sign, turning water into wine at a wedding that was headed for disaster because they were running out. We will hear Jesus tell his disciples to cast their nets into deeper water and then watch and see what happens. And they catch the greatest number of fish ever. And then we'll hear the resurrected Jesus say to those fishermen disciples, come now, come to shore and have breakfast with me. And in that community over breakfast, the risen Christ allows them into a greater believing of God's promise of new life. As they simply shared a meal together, they became more in their own becoming as God's children and community. Friends, we're all in the process as humans on this very short journey in the big scheme of things called our life on earth. And I wonder if we can identify with Nathaniel, his own journey of despair and hope and dreams, possibility, unbelief and belief. 
I invite you to reflect on your own fig tree experience that you may have had. How you have needed to know that God sees you and knows you and really understands what's going on for you. Have you ever been in utter despair and have cried out in your way to God, to Jesus, seeking an answer, relief, something new? Take a moment to imagine that fig tree. Imagine God meeting you just as and how you are. In these weeks, as we explore Jesus becoming, we'll watch him live out the life God created him for. And as we do, may we continue to come and see what Jesus is up to and what he continues to invite us into, that we may draw more deeply into God's life in us and for us. And let us keep asking, what is this life with God all about? St. Ignatius Loyola, the 16th century saint, explains through his own journey of becoming what this life is all about. He had his own fig tree experience when his leg was shattered in wartime with nothing to do but convalesce for months and months. He, not formally having a relationship with his creator, was visited, was seen, and known by God in Christ. And he had an awakening. And he was drawn into an intimate, loving relationship that changed his life forever. And in his experience, God is all about freedom. Always at work to set us free from any burdens we may carry, any worries, any fears that weigh us down. Only in that kind of freedom then are we free to love and serve others with abandon. And in loving and serving, that is the pathway to the joy that we're created for. And God's joy for us is not small, it's not scarce. It's abundant and overflowing. Tomorrow we commemorate the Reverend Dr. Martin Luther King Jr. And as we recall the great civil rights leaders of the past and present, let us recall the words of Fannie Lou Hamer, one of the great civil rights leaders, who said, nobody's free until everybody's free. And Dr. King embodied this work for freedom, tirelessly guiding many into advocacy and action for the, to liberate the oppressed African Americans in, in our midst at that time and still today. Though there might be freedom on paper, there was and still much enslavement going on due to the white supremacy culture of our time today. 
Dr. King would have been 95 years old this year. And in the imagination of the pastor poet Stephen Garnis Holmes, we imagine that if King was still alive, he would still be, as Garnis Holmes writes, stirring us more, pressing us more to keep working until everyone is free to live the life God intends for us as co-family members, God image bearers. But Holmes writes, maybe Dr. King nudges us these past 56 years and still today, no less than when he was alive. Because love and justice don't die. The dream for freedom from what keeps us bound doesn't disappear. The march doesn't stop. Don't wait for me, says King from beyond. Don't wait for the next one either. You can do this. We all do it together. Martin is still calling, come and see. Martin is still marching. Will we come and see? This is one tangible way this weekend we can become more of who God created us to be, putting our faith into action, serving to lead one another into Christ's freedom, loving one another into the joy of our Creator. May the Holy Spirit encourage and embolden us to come and see at every turn and enter into a life beyond our wildest imagination. Thanks be to God. Amen.